Hey guys, this is Rich Bokini. This is the princess of pro wrestling, SoCal Val. Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model. This is Holiday. This is Steve Young. E-F-F-Y-F-E. And you're listening to the only podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. The whole reppin' show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin Show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And this show is bursting at the seams with wrestle talk, wrestle news, and wrestle reviews, including headlines involving Asuka making her uh, long away to jump to the main roster. Uh, p- potentially some return news for Paige, though one of us is skeptical about that. Uh, speaking of returns, a WCW pay-per-view is making a comeback to WWE, which should be interesting. And uh, sadly, the wrestle world lost one of its brightest stars, uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Uh, also on today's show, we're doing our head-to-head head to head. for WWE Raw exclusive uh, pay-per-view No Mercy, uh, which comes at you this weekend. And of course, Darren and I have to weigh in on who we think the victors will be. And uh, last but not least, certainly not least, we're going to talk about part two of the May Young Classic, uh, where the final 16, the Sweet 16, they call them, Battle it out for that coveted title. Who will win, Darren? Well, I know who will win, but let's not spoil it right now. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want you to... Okay, good. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, as you can see, there's plenty for us to talk about, so why wait? Let's snap into some... Headlines! Asuka is headed to Monday Night Raw. The Empress of Tomorrow is going to make sure that tomorrow is a Monday. <laughs> every, every tomorrow is going to be a Monday. Wow, that, that sounds like a horrible future for mankind, especially Garfield. Garfield's going to really hate the future from <laughs> now on. Yeah, Garfield's going to be like, Oscar should be drug out in the street and shot. <laughs> he that feels was, that way about everybody. He does. I mean, that that that, that belonged in a uh, children's uh, comic strip, right? <laughs> yes. Also, something, something lasagna. Yes, there you go. Something. You just wrote this Sunday's Garfield just now. Oh, man. The Empress of Tomorrow is coming to Monday Night Raw. She has left NXT. She said her farewells on NXT television and is now headed to Raw. Raw is showing kind of teaser trailers, little snippets where we see the mask. And we see her face, and I dig it. It's kind of old school. Makes me think of, um, well, really, any time that they would tease somebody that was coming. And uh, I like that. I like that because too often it's either overblown or or not done at all. They right. just kind of show up. So this is a nice little tease. I like it. It's probably going to be Tamina Snuka under the mask. Um <laughs> Which is a joke about when Charlotte debuted on SmackDown, um, and they kind of oh, 
And I don't know who should feel worse about that, Charlotte or, or Tamina. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so I'm yeah, going to go with Tamina. <laughs> probably, yeah, yeah. I'm going to um, go with any time WWE has mistreated a female performer in the last five years. Her name has been Tamina. Wow. Take that, Tamina. Actually, that, that was actually on your side, uh, Tamina. So, hey, <laughs> take that, Tamina. It's happy now. Um, take that. Take it. Do with it what you will. <laughs> obviously, I've been uh, uh, lobbying for an Asuka main roster jump for a while, uh, which actually, I mean, it's 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 scary because the the uh, things can get a bit stale when it comes to the women's roster on Raw because they have a tendency of like pushing three people and only three people at a time, um, and I don't understand uh, WWE because they will often. They'll often have people that they're doing, quote, doing stuff with. And then when people, you know, aren't doing anything, they even say, you know, quote, we have nothing for them right now. How about right. this? How about the people you have nothing for right now? How about you make them feud each other? Then you'll have something for the people you don't have something for right now, you know? so I, Absolutely. You know, I, first of all, I think that in, they should just completely do away with, and, and honestly, I don't know. I don't know what's left. I don't know if Main Event is still on, if Superstars is still on. I know at least one of them is. Like, why don't we just go ahead and get rid of those? Because we really and truly don't need them. And then just tape more women's matches. I'm not saying let's now have pink ropes and let put a pink tent on the crowd and have them have their own show and it's taped after Raw or something. No, but just... And just tape extra women's matches at any and every live event. Then you can compile them, and then, yeah, have another show. I think the Mae Young Classic, I'd like to know if they can track how many people were actually watching, how many people had their network subscriptions activated at that moment. They, they can track uh, every single time someone hits play on anything on the network, Darren. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, good. See exactly <laughs> how many people watched Mae Young. And then, if it's a good number, that's all you need to know. I mean, have them, even if you don't do the live thing. You know what? Sorry, ladies. You got to work one night out somewhere in the world. And then, one other night, you got to work in Orlando. And you go back in front of that full sale crowd. And you utilize these women. But the women's roster keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and we don't see more women's matches just like you said and that's a problem you're only going to push one or two or three women at a time even on across two separate brands and yet your roster is huge like how badly do they misuse emma at this point why do they even bother bringing back mickey james and really why the hell are they signing people from the may young classic when NXT is already bursting at the seams with women. Well, to be fair, half those women are from NXT already. <laughs> well, I know, but my point is they still sign people that weren't. And I don't understand if they're not going to let them wrestle, stop keeping them from wrestling elsewhere. Right. No, I totally agree with you. Except for one thing you said, which was I'm not saying have a woman show. Because watching the Mae Young Classic, which I really, really enjoyed, and we'll obviously talk a lot about that later on, I was thinking, like, I'm sad. I'm going to miss a lot of these women 
who are great and they do great stuff and they deserve to be seen and they deserve to be seen in a place where the production is so well done. Um, they yes. deserve to have an audience. Yes. And it's yes. like, I think they should have a women's show. Like, I mean, you could tape it at full sale. No, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to solve a lot of problems right now. Okay, you ready? You ready for this? All right. I had this thought. Now, WWE rents out full sale pretty often for NXT and, and these tournaments, right? Yeah? Yeah. I've got one. Since Vince McMahon is a, uh, what is he, a billionaire, how about he builds his own facility, basically his own auditorium, his own soundstage, much like they filmed the uh, you know TNA Impact GFW shows at a soundstage in Orlando, Universal Studios, or much like WCW filmed their show at MGM many, many years ago. How about since Orlando is right there where everyone is, Vince McMahon just buy up some land and build his own place to to film all these programs. You know what I mean? Like, and they can film whatever they want. They can film whatever they want because they own the place. You know, you can have a women's show. You can you can you film NXT there all the time. You can make NXT feel a bit more alive. You know, the the full sale crowd will come over to it. So you're not going to lose any crowd. They're going to go, oh, oh, it's somewhere else? Okay, I'll just go, I'll drive an extra 15 minutes and go somewhere else. It's fine. So, yeah, I think I think much like they build an entire movie television studio in Atlanta, you know, with sound stages and the like, they can just do that in Orlando for wrestling, you know? And it, everything can be done in-house in his own, like, fucking movie studio, basically. Since all they do is make movies anyway, right, Vince McMahon? That's what you do. You guys make movies. You can also make movies there, too. Hey, how about that? You can do wrestling and make movies there. There. Problem solved. You have money. You can use it, and eventually you'll save it in the long run. Uh, problem solved. I say it's a problem, and the problem is... It's too good of an idea. Yes. The problem is it's too good of an idea. Vince didn't think of it. And and I just don't know. There, he definitely has some sort of block when it comes to certain ideas. And uh, I can see him completely denying that one. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, that was just that idea. Um, but as we said, as we were originally were talking about, uh, well, women's wrestling in general and Asuka, Raw is about to get one more. They might actually be getting another person uh, because uh, there are rumors circulating. There have been rumors circulating for a long time. Paige might be making her long-awaited return to WWE television. Now, you said during the intro, one of us is skeptical Obviously, if you said that line, you're the one who's skeptical, or you think you're the only one who's skeptical. But I am quite skeptical. Okay, good. About, good. about her appearing or when it will be. I simply uh, am biting on this particular story because she did actually arrive at the performance center, which is kind of the first time she's done that in a great long time. And both in their uh, Instagram story, WWE.com, and in their emails, WWE released uh, announcements basically teasing the return of Paige as well, which WWE has not done during this whole thing because WWE has basically tried to distance themselves from Paige 
while she and Alberto ran around the world beating one another up and uh, appearing on TMZ and all that nonsense that we've had to read on all the dirt sheets for what? Damn, a year? Yeah, and that's why I was skeptical because... I mean, I know I've been reading news about a page return for a long time, and even now I'm like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Until she is on television, I'm not, I'm not gonna really, you know, I'm not gonna talk too much about it. So, because I don't yeah. want to waste your time, dear listeners. This is for you. I do it for you. I bleed for you. I am bleeding. I am bleeding right now. I cut myself. You should get a band aid. I should. You should. Well, if we're skeptical about Paige then I'd like to double down on my skepticism here, and it is over the entire concept of our next story, that WWE is brewing up a Starcade concept, and at best, it's half-cocked. Yeah, it's, okay? it already sounds like a horrible idea. <laughs> well, it's not a pay-per-view. It's not even a network special. There's simply slapping a Starcade sticker on a house show. Now, that seems like, one, a huge waste. Yeah. Two, a bit disrespectful. And three, a whole lot of, huh? You know, like, why? You know, there's a show coming up on the 25th of November this year in Greensboro, and... Michael P.S. Hayes, I guess maybe in charge of booking this event, he decides, hey, let's call it Starcade. Well, let's call what Starcade, Michael? (laughs) Like a house show? You know, the the ones you have three or four times a week, every week, every year, forever? Like, I would totally, all you would have to do is put this on the network on a Saturday night, and I, I would be like screaming right now it would have been our number one headline we'd have turned this whole show into like a starcade special like that's all you have to do is if you're going to use that label you're going to use that name which means so much starcade now of course we haven't had one in over 15 years but had there been one over the last 15 years you know starcade is an older name than wrestlemania I mean, Starcade is a very, very important name. But no, they're going to stick it on this house show because it's in Greensboro. And Michael P.S. Hayes is wasting everyone's time. And it's kind of, it's kind of a little, uh, I don't know, a little mud in your eye for, for, you know, Starcade in general. Right. Well, for fans listening to the show who don't know, uh, Starcade is not a WWF, WWE pay-per-view. It actually began with the NWA, and eventually when they transitioned to WCW, it, it kind of stuck, and it's been going on. The last Starcade was what, 2000, 2001, I guess? Yeah, no, 2000, right. 2000. December 2000. Yeah. Um, so Starcade's a big deal. It, like I said, it is it is the South, the South's WrestleMania. Um but uh, so basically, it's like calling a house show WrestleMania if WCW uh, kept going um, and WWF folded. Um, so that, that that is kind of that. But I mean, I think the more I hear about it, the more buzz about it, the more it will end up becoming a, a televised, uh, like a network special. Because why go through all well, this trouble and not televise it anyway? It's like you're 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 spinning your wheels if you're doing that. 
Oh, absolutely. And the, the thing is, I at this point, here we are two months out, it really seems like they're satisfied to just spin their wheels. You know, Vince probably doesn't want them to do this anyway. Vince probably just greenlit Michael Hayes calling it that just because he doesn't care. And it's just the, the level of doesn't care uh, of McMahon to do this sort of thing, to just kind of let it happen and be just kind of this fizzle fart. And, uh, you know, and that pisses me off. But apparently Michael Hayes, in an effort to do something with it, decided he was going to promote Gold Dust heavily on the show. Gold Dust, of course, Dustin Rhodes, Dustin Runnels, the son of the late great American dream, Dusty Rhodes, a huge, huge part of Starcade lore. Well, then Michael Hayes goes out and tweets Cody Rhodes and sends out an invitation saying, hey, Cody, why don't you come to Greensboro? Why don't you come one night only and wrestle at Starcade? Well, I mean, obviously fans are going to get excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean... Not as excited as I'd be in, in, if, if it were like bringing back World War Three with the roster that they have. How awesome would that be? Um, <laughs> but uh, That might be really incredible at this point. Yeah, I mean, obviously you read the headlines, Starcade's coming back, and it's like, oh, that's cool. And then you read about it and go, that's not cool. Um, right. So, yeah, we'll, 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 as, as Starcade gets closer and closer, I'm sure more details will unfold. Who's going to show up? Who's involved? Um, will it even be televised when, again, why would you have this much, why would you put forth this much, you know, effort and go, I mean, it's not going to be on TV, so whatever, but, uh, you know, so, so that'll be interesting to see, but we'll, again, we'll, we'll tell more about that when we know more about that. Yeah. And I think we will know more and more. Well, first of all, we'll have to see if Cody wants to do it. Goldust, his brother, Dustin has spoken up and tweeted and said, Please come do this. Let's tag. All of a sudden, Matt Hardy jumps in. And Matt says, hey, me and my brother Jeff versus Dustin and Cody. So a lot of people are reacting to it. It's obviously got a little steam. We just have to see if Cody wants to do it. And then, of course, if ROH will let him do it. Now, the ROH logo appeared on WWE.com this week as part of a poll uh, where they have yet again asked WWE Network subscribers what other type of content they would like to see on the network. And one of the options was ROH programming. So, again, I still think WWE needs to go for it. Just go and get the ROH catalog, put the whole thing on the network, and then we get to see over a decade of great ROH wrestling with tons and tons of people that have become WWE superstars. And then, hey, guess what? If you can work that out in the next couple of months, or you can make it part of the bargaining process to have the ROH World Champion up at Starcade. How amazing would that be? Celebrating an old NWA WCW show under a WWE banner, and you have Dusty Rhodes' son come back as the ROH World Champion? I mean, come on. That is big-time WWE power move. That is all kinds of exciting to all kinds of wrestling fans. And it's a nice little nod from the WWE to this 
uh, rapidly rising in the scene, which they really are going to get to the point that they're not going to be able to ignore it. You forget that WWE uh, isn't nice, Darren. Um. <laughs> well, I said, well, nicer, no. I don't forget what I said earlier, which is Vince McMahon simply doesn't care. Right. And that's the biggest problem. Because he could be nice or not nice. But if he simply doesn't care, then nothing happens at all. Right. But anyway, fingers crossed for Starcade to be a WWE Network special. I would love it for that alone. Right. All you uh, wrestling fans who are historians who just love, quote, the old stuff, uh, know all about Starcade. Um, and. Many fond memories there, a lot of great wrestlers, a lot of great personalities involved in the old WCW catalog, and someone who was involved heavily in the old days of WCW and WWF, uh, unfortunately, recently passed away. I'm talking about Bobby the Brain Heenan. Oh, man. I really have been sad this week uh, after hearing of the passing of, of Bobby Heenan. This uh, this was one of the ones that was really tough. Um, not a surprise at this juncture. Um, no longer a particularly uh, tragic death. We know that his illness uh, was tragic upon the diagnosis several years ago. And it's certainly unfortunate he died too young. That is definitely for sure. But this had been coming for a very, very long time. Bobby Heenan had suffered from cancer and a lot of complications with cancer for a long, long time now. Nevertheless, very sad. One of the absolute best managers, best color commentators, best on-screen personas ever in all of professional wrestling. This guy was unmatched and incomparable absolutely agree with that absolutely a lot of great uh a lot of great memories listening to bobby heenan on commentary um a lot of great uh a lot of great promos and interviews that involve bobby heenan and darren and i we saw bobby heenan at wrestlecon uh which took place just before wrestlemania this year um, and, uh, I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I'm going to say what everyone's been saying when they see Bobby Heenan, he didn't look great. Um, obviously the cancer had taken his toll on Bobby Heenan. Um, you know, you could, I think a lot of people kind of found it hard to, to really even look at Bobby because, I mean, you could just see, see, I mean, he, he's wearing all the pain he's gone through in the last years and that's sad and that's horrible. So, I mean, him passing away was kind of like, yeah, I can, I can, I can see that for sure. But, uh. Uh, nonetheless, Bobby Heenan, just one of the greats and, and irreplaceable and, and, you know, incomparable and all that fun stuff. And, uh, you know, he... irreplaceable is, is, a, is a very good word. Good word choice there because he hasn't been replaced even in all these years of his life since he's been a performer. Mm -hmm. No one could step into that role. And no one's going to. No one is going to be what Bobby Heenan was. Uh, were, were there better managers that's first of all that's totally subjective also what the hell does the word better mean right so you know that kind of stuff but like overall it, it is what he was it was 
No one will ever be Bobby Heenan again. Yeah, it's, he's no a personality. He's he's not. You can't just say, oh, he's a commentator. Oh, he's a manager. He's Bobby Heenan. Like he he's like a right. life force. That's like saying Paul Heyman is one thing. Paul Heyman wears many hats. You know, he's 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 like the he's he's the the, the guy you put in to fill in a role. He's basically the Phil Hartman of wrestling. Like we need a guy to do this. I know you can do this, Bobby. So you go do this. So no, absolutely. Well. Said whether he whether he's managing the Heenan family, whether he's managing Andre the Giant in like the heel turn heard round the world when he rips Hulk Hogan's shirt off on Piper's Pit, uh, leading up to WrestleMania three. Whether he's bringing Ric Flair into the WWF as the real world's champion, or whether he's sitting in the booth with Gorilla Monsoon or Vince McMahon, or in later years with Eric Bischoff and Tony Schiavone. I mean, oh my God, everybody talks about Monsoon and Heenan, and they should. They absolutely should talk about the brain and gorilla. But because everybody else talks about that and how it doesn't get better than that, and it doesn't, (laughs) I just want to take a second to say Monday Nitro, as commentated by Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan, I mean, they were oil and water in the very best possible way like they absolutely made you believe that there was no chance that they actually got along in real life (laughs) Bob Heenan was so annoying to Tony Schiavone Tony Schiavone who is of course the ultimate straight man I mean he he, Tony Schiavone of course redefines the play-by-play man as the straight man. I mean, that's what a play-by-play is. But Shivani and Heenan, I mean, damn, it might as well have been Abbott and Costello. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But again, I'm gonna—I'll stop here. But just Bobby Heenan, he has been missed as a part of the wrestling world for all these years while he's been sick, and now I'm sure to his friends and family he'll be missed every day. And. Um, so R.I.P. R.I.P. Brain. Absolutely, and uh, like I've said, luckily we have all these ways of watching and listening to old wrestling, and you know, with that they'll live forever. Much like movie stars that pass away, if you got their movies, the TV shows, they live forever. Um, so that that's kind of a cool aspect to this. Is if you're gonna hear Bobby Heenan's voice, you just gotta pop in some old stuff, and you'll be you'll be right there with him. Uh, so, uh, with that, we say goodbye to Bobby the Brain Heenan, and, uh, I guess with that, Darren and I, we gotta discuss WWE's latest pay-per-view, coming to you this Sunday, No Mercy. Darren and I, we gotta go head-to-head. Head-to-head. WWE No Mercy is coming to you live on the 24th, this 24th, uh, from LA's Staples Center. And I just realized that I'm in Los Angeles and uh, it's happening at the Staples Center. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I might uh, I might get some cheap tickets and go to No Mercy. We'll, we'll see how I'm feeling. If I'm feeling froggy. Well, if you're feeling froggy, then why don't you jump? Hey, there you go. Maybe I'll grab my 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 good cousin slash friend slash former roommate slash uh, fan of the show John and see if he wants to go to No Mercy. 
Go for it. I think the two of you should totally do that. I, w- I mean, if I were there, if I, if I found out No Mercy was, oh, No Mercy is uh, just a few minutes away. Yeah, I'd probably go. I'd uh, probably go this Sunday. Here in L.A., nothing's a few minutes away, Darren. Nonetheless, No Mercy is coming to you live on Sunday. And uh, basically every title from Raw is uh, on the line here at this show. But it uh, should be an interesting card. I don't know too much about uh, who's wrestling on the pre-show. I'm sure they'll throw a bunch of saps together that they don't feel are worthy of the main bunch show. Um, <laughs> but surprisingly enough, Darren, the IC Championship is actually being defended on the pay-per-view. Oh, well, you know what? God. I'll believe that when I see it. Yes, it, it's like the, the page return. It's like, oh, well, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, The Miz is defending his IC Championship against... Jason Jordan Angle. Jason Jordan Angle. You know, actually, when Jason Jordan is in the ring next to Kurt Angle, uh, and you have somebody like me who wants to buy into a story like that, of them being actually father and son, they do look good together. Like, uh, you know, because it's one of those stories to me that it's so unnecessary, it's so over-the-top and clearly fictional, and yet... I like it. I like it because it shows something. Not just, yeah, we signed another wrestler to a contract, and here he is. Go out there and fail. Right. <laughs> Instead, you know, you're adding a little, bit of, a little bit of sizzle here. I don't know that Jason Jordan himself really needed it. I thought that, you know, he and Chad Gable were doing a bang-up job on SmackDown. And they damn sure had been in NXT. And that's what we talked about before, was the worst part of this whole angle. Again, we, we get the joke. Um, is that it broke up American Alpha, which was a you know, a whiz-bang-gang uh, tag team. Um, and um, th- this, this, I mean, this whole thing would not have worked no matter who turned out to be Kurt Angle's son. Of all people, why Jason Jordan... It's like he was doing so well in American Alpha. Now, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, I, I do like it. I, I actually still like it. The worst part is that it broke up Jordan and Gable. I agree with that because it, it seems unnecessary. But simply as a story, and with Jason and Jordan being the choice, I, like I said, they look good standing next to one another, and they play off of each other pretty well. I still am waiting, literally waiting. Uh, like week by week, just for the other shoe to drop. I feel like that's going to have to be the resolution, whether it's soon or whether it's later, is either it's going to turn out that Jordan has pulled a prank on Angle, or Angle has pulled a prank on Jordan, or somebody else has pulled a prank on both of them, whether it's the woman that's in question, whether it's Triple H and Stephanie, or whether it's Chad Gable, because I still like the idea that Gable would come over because he actually was an Olympian, and that Gable would come over, and of course, I don't know, if I'm fantasy booking, Chad Gable actually comes over to Raw and reveals that he and Jordan are both illegitimate sons of Kurt Angles from two different women. <laughs> they're now their half-brothers, and they're both bastards of Kurt Angles, And then they're back together as a tag team. And I just think that would be actually incredible. Um, 
but but who knows? Um, it's not something that I hate. It's really not something that I hate. I know a lot of people hate it. So sorry, I kind of like it. Well, but we'll, we'll see where it I goes. People also kind of people also kind of hate the Miz-tourage, but not me. I like it too, and I like the Miz. So I'm kind of looking forward to this match. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty good. Let's actually talk about the match itself. Um, obviously, tensions have been uh, have been rising between Jason Jordan and the Miz. Uh, as of late on uh, Raw, well, the only way you can watch this soap opera play out. Um, so th- th- this match is pretty much inevitable. Now, will Jason actually get the IC belt from The Miz? Well, first of all, it's it's unfair because The Miz, ever since he got the IC belt, they haven't done anything with him as IC champion. That's been kind of sad, you know, from the IC title not being defended on pay-per-views to The Miz being involved in just six-man tag matches on Raw. It's just kind of like, okay, again, the IC belt, which we've talked about on the show many times, is a big deal. Uh, treat it like a big deal. Um, instead, it's just kind of like, yeah, the Miz has it. Anyway, um, so. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Like, But I, I don't know. At least the Miz himself, the character, is really all, like, all about the IC title. Right. So I guess if they're going to diminish the IC title... Um, you could say they're doing it uh, because The Miz has it. Right. What was really bad was when Dean Ambrose just kind of drug it around for a while, and he even he didn't care about it. And that was kind of, that was really upsetting as a fan of the IC title. That was really like, what? Well, that that's what WWE you- booking, saying like, we got nothing for it, just, you know, just have it. So, yeah, no, I, I totally get that. The thing is, though, The Miz and Jason Jordan are both good wrestlers. This would be a good wrestling match, though I think the fans are kind of with The Miz on this one because I don't think a lot of people are into the whole Jason Jordan uh, angle. angle. Um, so who do you got? Who, who are you with? I am with The Miz, and I'm picking The Miz. Oh. I do, I do. I'm a big fan of Jordan, and I just got through saying I'm a fan of this Jason Jordan angle angle. But the Miz, uh, Miz gonna, is going to walk away still holding that title. I think they're going to give him, as long as they're in the business right now, breaking all the old records, the Miz gets closer and closer to having held that IC title for a very, very long time. And I think they're going to try and push a record on the Miz as well. So oh. go with the Miz. How about you? Miz to retain. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back that up and say the Miz also retains. Um... And this might actually be leading up to a Kurt Angle The Miz match at WrestleMania, if you ask me. That's what kind of it feels like. I think, like, kind of the way Miz wanted his match with Daniel Bryan, and it'll never happen, he'll actually maybe get his match with Kurt Angle, another uh, another injured wrestler. So. Yeah, another another wrestler uh, who, <laughs> watch out for his neck. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I would love... I'd love to see Miz Kurt Angle at WrestleMania. That'd be awesome. Well, time will tell. WrestleMania is seven years away. Um, with that, though, <laughs> we're going to move on to uh, uh, some ladies' action. Uh, the women's match is actually a fatal five-way match. Uh, the champion, Alexa Bliss, she's taking on Nia Jax. She's taking on Sasha Banks. She's taking on Bayley. And surprisingly, she's taking on Emma as well. Who gave Emma a shot? What is up with that? Emma gave Emma a shot. Emma, of course, being very vocal on social media about 
you know, all we are saying is give Emma a chance. And I, I've been saying that for a while, but um, yeah. Hey, I'm glad she's getting a chance. There's no way she'll win this match, but I would like to see her on my TV. She's a wild card. It's almost like they throw her this bone, like, okay, you're champion for a night. And they make her lose on Raw immediately. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of anyone's match, if you ask me. Well, I think they don't, I don't think they're going to shift a, a gear in, in a big way. I don't think in, uh, until maybe Asuka comes in. Because you, you know, I'm going to bring Asuka in and give her a big program that matters and is spotlighted and it not involve the belt like we talked about at the top of the show. They're not going to do that. They're not going to have two major women's programs going on 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 one brand. But how cool is that, though? Emma wins the belt, Emma's champion, and says no one can beat me. Lights hit, Asuka's music hits. Well, Asuka comes out, immediately wins the women's championship, and then she has to defend against all these other women, uh, pay-per-view to pay-per-view to pay-per-view. Because I think that's what they're going to do. They're going to immediately put that belt on Asuka. They're going to kind of, like, it, it'd be kind of a continuance of her NXT women's title reign. Um, so I think uh, I think they could very easily do something like that. Yeah, I mean, you say how cool would that be? I'd say very cool. I just that's what they're gonna have to do, and uh, and I just don't I don't know if I want Emma to be to be the one who I don't want her to have it for just a night or a week or even a month. Yeah, let her come along later and maybe fall to Oscar or something. I don't know. It's kind of this or nothing with Emma, though. I feel like. When Asuka's here, then there's definitely no room for her at all. You know what I mean? It's going to be all about oh, Asuka and people fighting Asuka. So if Emma, if Emma's going to get it at all, this might be her only chance to be the champion for a little while. Yeah, I think you're right. So Unfortunately, unfortunately, you're very right. So who you got in this match? See, I want to say Emma. Um <laughs> But I don't I know you want to. Right, I want to say Emma because I actually want Emma to win this match, but I don't think that WWE wants Emma to win this match. Um, so if Alexa Bliss retains, that's kind of lame, right? Come on, the 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 deck is stacked against her. There's all these people that can just roll her up. It's not going to take anything away from Alexa if she loses. Um, but I mean, she did just get the belt back from Sasha at you know Raw, which was lame because Sasha tends to, this happens to Sasha when she becomes champion, that's lame. Um, history does seem to repeat itself a lot. Um, so, but I, I, I can't. I can't pick Alexa Bliss. I just can't do it. You go first. Who, who, who do you think? Oh, man. Well, I want to go with Nia Jax because I think if you give it to Nia Jax in this five one, you take a little bit of the uh, sting out of the idea that she is this big woman, so she naturally should be able to be anyone pretty much any time, and yet she doesn't. And so, you know, and there's enough knowledge uh, among the smart fans that she gets blown up easily, that she's a little dangerous, and all that sort of stuff. That makes you think, well, they don't want to book her. They're not going to reward that kind of performance with a championship. But I don't know. So 
I, I don't think Sasha's got it. There's no way Bailey's getting it back right now. No, Bailey's getting booed. Poor Bailey. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? Just to do it, I'm going to go with Nia here because oh. to me it comes down to Alexa and Nia. This is a way to have the Alexa Nia feud, their frenemy status or whatever you want to call it, kind of goes to the next level without necessarily having to have Alexa go in there and just get squashed by Nia. Okay, well, I'm going to, in spite of myself, and what you said is very valid and very honest and well thought out, I'm going to go with Emma. Um, (laughs) Because I I wish against wish, I hope against hope, Um, just something new. Emma becoming champion would just be something very fresh and different. Um, All these other ladies can keep feuding with themselves, and, and that's fine, but Emma will just be champion for a while. To me, that's it. Because I, I do think this is Emma's last chance. After this, like, there's there's nothing for her after this. So, anyway. So that that's... is very possibly true. So, I kind of almost hope you're right. Right. Well, I hope I'm right. Um, <laughs> moving on, we got uh, the Cruiserweights. And you can't have a Cruiserweight title match without the King of the Cruiserweights. They're going to have Neville, the King of the Apparently Cruiserweights. you... Yeah, apparently you actually cannot have a cruiserweight title match without Neville in it. Yeah, so. he's the longest running uh, cruiserweight champion in WWE. <laughs> that means nothing. Um, but he may no longer be because he's fighting Kappa Haters. Kappa Haters over here. Uh, he's fighting Enzo Amore, Darren. <laughs> Enzo. <laughs> Enzo Amore, you say? <laughs> we got it. We got the king of the cruiserweights. We got we got on the nibble level. Nibble A couple of nibble levels. <laughs> uh, really, I'm I'm waiting for some large wrestler to walk by a cruiserweight and and refer to him as. The snoozer weights. Uh, I'm waiting for oh. <laughs> waiting for that burn to happen. Um, oh, but it's always it's always fun impersonating Enzo Amore, even though you love Enzo. But I guess uh, what uh, uh, what what is what's the expression? Uh, Imitation. Is the there you go. Flattery. I was starting with flattery, and I was like, no, the important part is before that. Uh, <laughs> flattery, flattery is sincerest is the form of flattery. Um. Yes. Yes. Okay. So yeah, this this is a match that's happening. Poor Enzo is being bounced off the canvas uh, by Braun Strowman for no reason and just taken advantage of by Big Cats. Do you think this is WWE going, all right, Enzo, you've been a good sport. We've beaten the shit out of you for six months. Now you become the Cruiserweight Champion. Because Darren, I got to say, I don't think it is. Oh, no, of course not. There's no way he's winning this match. <laughs> I'll tell you this. The only way Enzo wins this match, and he's not. I'm going ahead and making my pick. It's Neville. But the only way Enzo wins this match is if we get, like, a true blue heel turn out of Enzo. And I just don't think – and we may ha- and we may see that yet because he is kind of, like, walking a fine line there. But if he makes his heel turn, it's not going to be against Neville because Neville is such a heel. He is the embodiment of heel on 205 Live. 
I just think the weirdest thing of all is that it seems like it was only a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago? <laughs> a couple of weeks? A couple weeks ago? That you and I were talking about the wild possibility of Enzo Amore on 205 Live and now here he is. Which is great, by the way. Again, it's... Yeah! It's... <laughs> Because Enzo does have a following, um, and and people who love Raw and love Enzo, they might turn the channel to 205 Live. I, I think it's a good thing having Enzo on 205 Live, um, and uh, I think it's cool. I don't think he needed to get a world or a world title, a cruiserweight title push this fast. Um, I guess it's like, well, you're the biggest name on the show, so you should become champion now. Or you should at least be fighting for championship. That makes me think that Enzo on 205 Live is a very temporary situation. Really? Yeah. I feel like it's not a temporary situation. Um, but I'm with you. He didn't need to automatically go into the world titles. I think he needed to kind of... I mean, there's two ways they could have done it. He could have gone in and sort of been like a shoegazer, kind of feel like he was being punished, and kind of have him mope around and, and not really do much of anything, or you have him go down there on his own accord, you know, character-wise, and have him walk around and basically kind of be a tweener and uh, kind of just be, you know, taunt everybody like he does on like he does on Twitter. He could be a Twitter tweener. <laughs> yeah. And he could just, just kind of walk around backstage and then pick fights. Like, that would have been... That would have been a better way, is have him kind of pick fights with a number of people. Hey, Drew Gulak, you're looking like my mama's goulash, and you're going to be spitting up on my goulashes, you understand me, couple haters. Is that Booker T? It is. That was kind of Booker T, wasn't it? That was kind of... Now, Booker T versus Drew Gulak? Yeah. Well, there is is a, a, a gruffness to Enzo's voice sometimes, so... Anyway... Yeah, that's true. He doesn't always sound like Edith Bunker. <laughs> to me, he always will be. But I guess that's your pick. You're going to pick Neville. Uh, because there's no way they're going to just let Enzo beat Neville at this point, right? Neville has endured, you know, Austin Aries and and uh, uh, others. No, no one else comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, really. Just the Banana Man over and over and over. So Neville's your pick too, huh? Neville's my pick too, huh? And uh, thus far, we only disagree on the women's match. And uh, when you have a fatal five-way, there's a good chance that we will disagree as far as head-to-head. Head-to-head. And with that, we see a match that we've seen on Raw and at SummerSlam. Finn Balor. Finn Balor takes on Bray Wyatt, the Eater of Worlds. And uh, I don't... I, I you know, like no this... one's really jazzed about this match, are they? No. No, least of all me, and surprisingly enough, me. I love these two guys. I love Finn Balor. I love, 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 love Bray Wyatt and have for a number of years been a huge, huge fan of Bray Wyatt. I've wanted everything for that dude. I've wanted him to not just be the the new face, just something they can add to something for Michael Cole to say when he's on the screen. No, I wanted him to be that man. I wanted him to really be the new Undertaker. Like when, you know, when he was fighting the Undertaker a couple of years ago and he, and he showed up in the coffin and sat up in the coffin, 
Man, that was awesome. That was so good. Bray Wyatt needs to be as good as The Undertaker, pushed in a way similar to how they pushed The Undertaker for years. And he needs a damn Wyatt family. He has to have cronies. And it can't be the same old shit over and over. And he can't just constantly lose. I agree. I agree. Because everything I just said is roundly ignored by the WWE, then, you know what? You've taken all of the steam out of Bray Wyatt for me. And that makes me like him less, and it's not his fault at all. And they've done the exact same thing to Finn Balor. And so, you know what? Here's two of my favorite wrestlers of the last half decade, and I do not care about this match at all. Wow. That being said, who you got? I, You know, I don't even care, man. This is like... <laughs> I mean, I really don't like this. The, having this match and having it mean nothing hurts both of them. No, I understand. I understand. And the, and as a result, whoever loses is sort of supremely hurt by this. Like, this is one that recounts. This is one that's going to suck. Like, you know, this tally mark in the L column here is going to be like truly to the detriment uh, of whoever receives it. And I think it's going to be Bray Wyatt, as usual. Wow. He's going to lose. And, you know, Finn Balor is my pick for the win. Wow. I'm actually going to say Bray Wyatt's going to win this match. Okay. Because in this whole feud, it did seem kind of like Finn Balor needed to become Demon King-esque to defeat the evil that is Bray Wyatt. I think if Finn Balor goes over on Wyatt, then that's just kind of it. Finn Balor moves on. Bray Wyatt goes, oh, I lost that one. I'll find someone else to torment um, so I think Bray Wyatt kind of needs to get some of his heat back. And I, I, he won't win fairly. I think something weird will happen. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, this, this feud needs to kind of just go <laughs> because they're not doing either one any favors at this point. Even though there's some good stuff. There is some good stuff coming out of Finn and Bray, both in this feud. It's just, I, I don't know, it's... It's, it's, it's not enough. Well, it's it's not, not, a, not big enough. It's not big enough, and and that's what I was actually about to say, is it's the same problem of this roster is too fucking big. Because all these people who should be fighting for belts, they're just fighting each other in meaningless matches. So it's kind of like, either one of these guys could be IC champion right now, and it would mean something. It would make the IC belt mean something. The Miz can still be the Miz feuding with Jason Jordan because he called Jason Jordan a bastard. You know, like all that, all that's fine. Like, but you have to give these guys who circulate in and out of the uh, main event spotlight, you have to give them that sub main event uh, umph. You have to give them the IC belt, right? Absolutely, you have to do it. Or you have to put this match on next to last, or you have to put on a stipulation that's got some weight to it, and I don't mean a house of a house of horror. <laughs> Nothing like that. You know, just I mean, have a have a casket match. Like have an inferno match. If he's a demon, you know? Like how cool would that be? Oh, an Inferno match, because we've never seen an Inferno match that didn't have Kane or The Undertaker in it, right? Right. That would be very cool. There's nowhere like, to set Finn Balor on fire, Darren. He's naked out there. You don't have to set either one of them on fire. That's the beauty uh, of, like, clever booking. 
an Inferno match. Hashtag if wrestling were real, every Inferno match does not have to end with somebody on fire. Well, I guess it does, if that's the rule. (laughs) But in reality... You don't have to climb the ladder in a ladder match, Darren. (laughs) I mean, but come on. Hashtag if wrestling were real... The, the number of Inferno, of course, hashtag if wrestling were real, there would never, ever be an Inferno match. But assuming there were, it would do everything humanly possible for them to both avoid getting burnt. So just have it there, have it be there in like, uh, basically in like a lumberjack match capacity. You know, you want to talk about a cage match or hell in a cell or whatever, keeping the fighters inside and keeping interference out. Inferno match, that's perfect. Still has to end in a pinfall or a submission. The fire simply keeps everybody away. Yeah. I think it would be brilliant. No, I, I, I get you. There should be something extra for this match, but as it is, just one-on-one, and on this one-on-one, we actually disagree. You're going to stick with uh, Finn Balor. I'm going to stick with uh, Bray Wyatt on that one. Moving on, though, we're going to go with uh, tag team action where the Raw Tag Team Championships are on the line. Dean Ambrose and <laughs> Seth Rollins, a.k.a. two-thirds of the Shield, uh, so not a complete Shield reunion, uh, they take on former Raw champions Sheamus and Cesaro. Uh, Sheamus and Cesaro, for those who don't speak horrible European accent. Uh, <laughs> so this this whole feud's been going for a while. I'm actually pretty bored with Rollins and, and Ambrose uh, together. It's just very obvious, like, uh, we'll put them together and make them tag champions. Um, and that way we don't have to worry about booking them in matches, you know? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. Because that way you don't have to worry about the fact that both of these have been the top champion in the company and and I guess theoretically could be again at any time and they're both still so young they could be again at any time for many years to come so to just have them sort of floating around out there like the, them being the tag champs is like having Finn Balor and Bray Wyatt fight for no reason right it's just man I don't get it. I don't. I don't get the 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 booking. It's just so poor right now. It's so poor. But also, it's it's like we've said in the show before. It's it's the tag titles, you know, being defended against another tag team. But it's two tag teams that are just two singles competitors that they had nothing to do with. So they put them together into a tag team and, and gave them something to do. And and honestly, I mean the the best of seven matches and, and Sheamus and Cesaro being a tag team made me actually like Sheamus and Cesaro because I did not like them, you may recall. Um, now I do like them, but I'm kind of tired of seeing them as a tag team. Oh, well, I definitely recall. I definitely recall me for a long time uh, trying to support those guys on this very program while you shit all over them. Because I was a fan <laughs> of both of them Harsh. as as solo competitors uh, for a very long time. And I like them as a tag team. And I'm not tired of them as a tag team. To me, yeah, obviously they started out as singles competitors who got jammed together. But, man, they've made the most of it. And I know I've talked about this on the show before, but 
they really have made the most of it. They feel like a tag team to me now. Like, I, I buy them as a tag team. I'll be sad when they no longer are a tag team. Oh, it's like, coming, Darren. It is coming. Oh, I know. I know. But for now, that's how much, I mean, like, that's how invested I am in them as a team. Well, who do you got? This this team versus this team? Because I'm thinking Ambrose and Rollins, they retain those titles. I'm thinking Cesaro and Sheamus win. Wow, man. We are not on the same page. I leave that side of the continent, and all of a sudden we don't we don't think the same no more. What's that all about? Well, probably because we're not sitting here watching every show together. You know, that for one. Rub it in. Dawson's Creek theme. I don't want to wait for our lives to be over. I want to know right now, what will it be? <laughs> I just think Seamus and Cesaro need this, and Ambrose and Rollins don't. I mean, I would not be surprised if Ambrose and Rollins retained, but they're not going to come up with some kind of good story. We can get the belts off of them. Yeah, speaking They're of gonna... tag teams, uh, where the fuck are the Hardy Boys? I don't know, man. <laughs> Nowhere on this card! I don't get it. I don't get it! I don't get it. This could have been a triple threat tag team match or something. Bring in them Hardy Boys. But see, that's what my feelings are, is why you gotta put the belts on Cesaro and Sheamus so it can go back into like an actual tag team rotation with tag team feuds. Like, Ambrose and Rollins don't need to be a tag team and just go around and ruin all the other tag teams. Nor do they need to take a beating at the hands of all the other tag teams. You know what I mean? Because they truly are singles competitors that are only going to be together as a tag team briefly. This is truly a, a flip phenomena. This is... Not long for this world, you know. This this tag team is going to go the way of the dodo very soon, and I think you got to put it on Cesaro and Sheamus because they're very credible as champs. I I, I do think, uh, though not incredible, I do think. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding, Darren. I, I I do think that um, Ambrose and Rollins are a very temporary thing. However, I think if you make them give up the titles now at this point. It basically says, you guys were right. This was a dumb idea. We're going to move on. So they have to keep the belts for a little bit longer for them to be like, no, it's a good idea. See? It's a good idea. We're going we're to stick with it. No, so, yeah, that's a fair assessment. That's a totally fair assessment. Like I said, I'm, the only reason I'm going to disagree is because I really feel like you're hurting yourself if you have the two of them go around beating all these other tag teams. Right. Because... Not only is that unnecessary, it's also kind of saying inadvertently, it's kind of saying, well, you could put any two single stars together and they're going to be better than a tag team. Because tag team wrestlers are only tag team wrestlers. Right. Blah, 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 blah. And that just, that's not cool. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so I guess we'll wait and see. This one's been a real battle between us. We've had no mercy as far as each other's picks here. Um, you, know, you know what I would actually rather do than watch this pay-per-view? What? On Sunday? Play No Mercy? Play, okay. play No Mercy. <laughs> Sorry, I completed your thought. Yes. <laughs> hey, I'm always, I'm always down for that. 
Um, which brings us to our next match, even though it doesn't. Uh, John Cena is taking on Roman Reigns. And they did it, Darren. They did what I said they have needed to do for a long time. Trick the audience into having to give a shit about one or the other. Um, which I said for a long time. Like, they need to actually just put Cena against Reigns because they give them both the same exact fanfare or lack thereof that I think if you put them together, they're going to have to side with one or the other. And it seems like they're siding with Cena. Uh, yes. And absolutely. And you're right. But don't be surprised if they refuse to choose. I, I would not be surprised if on this night at the Staples Center the, the crowd refuses to choose and we simply just get, who is booed louder? Because, yeah, they seem to be siding with Cena because these verbal sparring bouts are incredible and they're intense. They're almost way too smart Smart Mark for their own good. They are too smart, I mean, Mark. <laughs> yeah. But, I don't know. They, they definitely seem to, they being the fans, seem to side with Cena more. But, but that, that, that's probably because Cena is a better mic worker, though. Because, you know, I'm not a huge fan of Cena. I, I've kind of, I've, I've cooled off on him a little bit. Uh, over the the past few months, I guess it's kind of like I, I get Cena's place in wrestling. He does work hard. The best thing I can say about Cena is he is a phenomenal mic worker and he gives a shit about his matches. You can tell he wants to put on the best match possible. Um, so you know, for that, I'll, I'll be grateful that John Cena is around. And when it comes to this match, I like Cena a lot more than I like Roman Reigns, but. John Cena is, you know, what Reigns is saying about him, what Cena said about The Rock many years ago, which I brought up a long time ago. You know, you're you're one foot out the door doing Hollywood stuff. Um, so Cena, I, I think if Cena goes over on Reigns, it just means there'll be a return match. Um, and it's because basically this is becoming Cena versus The Rock. You know what I mean? Oh, it, absolutely! It, it it, I think they're kind of making you, they're making the audience kind of already think that way because that's what this is. It's going to be like a return match, you know, th- kind of a thing going on. The only thing missing is the uh, world title, uh, which is a good thing because we don't need Cena to break Ric Flair's record already. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I do think that I mean it makes more sense for Reigns to go over on Cena. Because you're you are building Reigns up for eventually becoming the Universal Champion again, are you not WWE? No, I I think they absolutely are. I have a hard time. I mean, so you're picking Reigns here? Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Reigns, even though I'd like to see Cena win. And well, <laughs> those words you like, don't hear very often from me, folks. You do not hear those words very often from me. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see John Cena win this one, uh, but I'm having a hard time. Deciding, actually. I, I'm looking at both of these guys, and I'm just thinking, who wins this match? Even if it leads to a rematch or a series of matches, who wins this one? Like, who needs to win this one? And who wins this one in light of what may or may not happen in the main event? Like, you know, because they got to try and make things make sense for dudes' careers, for programs, and honestly on a night-to-night basis, like, as a card. And... I, uh, and, and that's I, that's what I'm thinking, too, is is uh, what makes sense for business now 
is Reigns winning. But I don't know what they have planned for the future. I don't know if someone new is about to debut and get inter- get involved in this whole angle. You know, from that angle, it could be John Cena. But I think as far as what's best for business right now, Roman Reigns, which is why I'm picking Roman Reigns. I think you're right. I just, I really, I cannot make myself see John Cena taking the fall on this night. I don't know why. So, at the risk of, man, we are, our picks are very, very different on this night. But I'm going to go with John Cena because I just can't see him. That's the point, Darren. You can't see him. That's the point. (laughs) It took you all these years, and now you get it. Yeah, Yeah, he was right. (laughs) This could go either way. Because, again, they are the same person fighting each other. They're not, but they are. And they're the company man that the company just pushes no matter what. So what happens when the irresistible force meets the movable object? You're basically having earthquake and typhoon fight right now. And and basically, either one wins, you know, either one loses, and we all go on with our lives, and that's how it is, right? Yep. Yeah, there you go. And that's the first and last time I'll compare John Cena and Roman Reigns to Earthquake and Typhoon. <laughs> the natural disasters. But I think you understand what I'm saying. Um, you know, they're they're basically two doinks. Uh, again, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> though it makes no sense. Anyway, um, so there's that. That leads us to the final match of the evening, uh, which uh, is the Universal title match. It actually means something. Oh, I know, man. <laughs> Speaking of two doinks. <laughs> well, to be fair, what am I not talking about two doinks? Um, it is the Universal champion Brock Lesnar, the reigning Brock Lesnar, the reigning Brock Lesnar, the reigning Universal Champion Brock Lesnar, uh, taking on <laughs> Braun Strowman. Now, this is just two big houses. Uh, Vince McMahon is going to explode in ecstasy when he watches these two wrestle. <laughs> oh, yes, he is. And it's going to be a slobber knocker. <laughs> yes. This is the match we wanted. This is the match we wanted at SummerSlam. This is a match we wanted before SummerSlam. This is a match people keep thinking that whatever happens here, we're going to see again at WrestleMania. Uh, of course, most people think Roman Reigns has to factor into that too. <sighs> Makes my head hurt. But <laughs> I, I thought whenever we were supposed to see it, or whenever anybody wanted to see it, we are going to see it here. And so I'm excited to see it. Lesnar and Strowman is a big deal to me. Like that, it isn't just McMahon that's going to explode in ecstasy. Like to me, <laughs> seeing Strowman get this true blue main event one-on-one world title shot or universal title shot, excuse me, Squidgar. Um, yes. You know, we're going to see Braun Strowman, even if even in a loss, this positioning is kind of a good. Uh, a, a, a good thank you to Strowman. Thank you for taking the ball and running with it. Thank you for excelling and accelerating your pace. Like, this guy's believable as a main event guy, not just because he's gigantic, you know, because there's been plenty of gigantic people that had no business near a WWE main event. See the great Kali. Wow. You're right. But, wow. <laughs> yeah, 
But Strowman, man, he deserves it, and I and I'm glad he's in this match. And and uh, what? He ain't winning. Oh, I agree. I, Brock Lesnar has not gone through all this shit just to lose the universal title at No Mercy. Um, right. Yeah. So I'm afraid Lesnar's going to hold on to it for longer, especially. Uh, Brock has no plans to return to the to UFC anytime soon. Um, <laughs> John Jones, that whole thing kind of you know happened. So uh, yeah, I think uh, Lesnar's uh, getting a little cozy now with WWE, and he's not going anywhere. So if you have him, if you're paying him that money, he might as well be the champion. And you know what? I, I still say, you know, people give shit for Lesnar for being a part timer, but he does elevate that title. Um, because he is who he is, and it's a very unique position. You know, you don't just put it on Randy Orton, because that's something you've seen a thousand times, and Randy Orton is, you know, Randy Orton. Brock Lesnar has defended the championship and has won championships on a ultimate fighting level, you know what I mean? So, like, he is a legit badass champion. So it's a little different. That's why Brock Lesnar can hold on to the title, and, and you know, it, it really still means something. Uh, so I'm going to go with Lesnar retaining. Uh, I don't know who's going to beat him at this point, even now, but it's not Strowman yet. I agree. I agree. It's not going to be Strowman. Not going to be Strowman yet. It's not going to be at no mercy. And, uh, you know, and I hate that. I, I think they they ought to surprise, surprise us with that, with the top belts more than they do. Not saying more frequently, just in different places. Right. No mercy would be a good one, especially circumstances, because it would mean that Strowman was walking away with the belt. But we aren't going to see it, not on this night. No. Uh, and if we do, I don't know, maybe if, if Strowman goes over, uh, Lesnar invokes his rematch clause and uh, he gets it back. I don't know. But I. anyway, <laughs> that's, that's a tough call. But I, I do think Lesnar has gone through too much at this point to just lose it. Um, at, especially at no mercy. Um, so that, that, that's, that's my pick and I'm sticking with it. And that's your pick as well. And you and I are divided on quite a bit here. It's going to be an interesting Sunday, uh, whether I go or not to Staples Center. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we'll see who wins this no mercy head to head on next week's episode. You got more well, to add you there? Know, Perry, let me just say about you going to the Staples Center I hope you dance. <laughs> I yeah. hope you dance. Yes, I, I hope I, I dance also. Um, <laughs> so that's that. No Mercy is this Sunday. Check it out. And uh, in the meantime, you can check out the May Young Classic if you haven't done that yet. Darren and I, we checked it out for you if you want to listen to that. In part two of our review of the May Young Classic. The round of 16, the sweet 16 in the May Young Classic, is where we're going to open tonight here in part two of the whole Reffin Show's coverage of the May Young Classic tournament. The women's wrestling tournament put on by the WWE in Orlando, Florida at Full Sail University which also culminated with a live championship main event from Las Vegas, Nevada, 
But we, on last week's episode, in part one, covered the opening round, the round of 32. And thanks to Lita and Jim Ross on the WWE Network and Perry and myself, Darren, here on the whole Ruffin show, we got to meet all 32 of those ladies. Some ladies that we've already seen in NXT, both on the house show circuit and on NXT television, as well as women from all over the world of wrestling and the world itself, as they advertised 13 countries sending participants into this tournament. Now, here in the round of 16, we've got eight more matches to discuss. Let's go ahead and jump right into them. What do you say, Perry? I say yes. Yes. Well, good, because if you said no, there'd be some awkward conversation to follow that I don't think our dear listeners really need to to hear. I think most of our conversation is pretty awkward, Darren. (laughs) So, do you... um, D- Darren, do you um, do you <laughs> go places or? Uh, the first match that we saw televised was between Rachel Evers, who defeated Marty Bell. She took on Abby Lath, who defeated the gargantuan Jazzy Gabert. Gargantuan is right, not Gargano. No, no, no. His lady will be wrestling later, but no, the gargantuan Jazzy Gabbert defeated by Abby Lath with that alligator clutch. Abby Lath, we also learn uh, more about her. 24 of her 27 years on this earth, she has uh, trained as a dancer. Um, try, learned all kinds of uh, different kind of dancing when she was trained at the CZW wrestling school. And uh, one thing I noticed about her entrance music this time, her entrance music sounds like it's uh, by a perfect circle. Yeah, so Maynard Keenan, I don't know, maybe he's he's making music for, for NXT these days, I don't know. Rachel Evers, though, little Jim Ross, of course, he wants to uh, always make sure we know where everybody went to college. And uh, so we, we find out that uh, Rachel Evers, a, a.k.a. Rachel Ellering, herself is college educated. She has a bachelor's degree in communications. And... Um, but her wrestling training comes from Lance Storm, and that was news to me, so that was kind of cool. The Lance Storm Wrestling Academy graduate, Rachel Evers. And uh, we found out her bronze medal in powerlifting was actually a 375-pound deadlift. Wow. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I, don't know, I, don't know if I could do that, even on my best day. So, uh, Wow. Good job, Rach. Good job, Rach. Uh, though not a good job during this match because uh, it came up a little short. The powerlifting uh, did not come into play on this one. Um, and actually, the match uh, wasn't it wasn't my favorite match uh, of the evening. Well, how did you feel about it? Oh, it was definitely not my favorite match of the evening, but there were a couple of, of big, brutish spots that I liked. Like, uh, Evers hits a top rope power slam yeah that was actually very cool yeah like first of all they're both up there on the top rope and then it's just like this really fast spin of course anytime i see a quick power slam like that i always think of the british bulldog davy boy smith oh yeah and uh, and that's super cool and uh they did that one like double standing front kick spot where they basically kicked one another in the head simultaneously 
Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we both had the same exact spots written out as the two spots that were very noteworthy. Because <laughs> they, they weren't, I mean, the, to me, they weren't gelling. Uh, there may have been some miscommunication there. Because it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't a perfect match, which, you know, who's to say what a perfect match is or not, of course. Uh, but no, the, the, double, the double kick and they both fell down was a cool spot. The audience liked that one. Uh, the power slam from the top, uh, in which case Rachel only gets a two count. Uh, which infuriates Evers. She comes running at Abby Lath, but uh, Lath actually rolls her up in that alligator clutch, uh, which basically is you're just sitting on top of the legs with your opponent's shoulders to the match, uh, to the mat, and then that that's how the match goes. Uh, Abby Lath continues on. Rachel Evers, uh, who knows what she'll be doing? Maybe WWE will sign her on. We shall see. Maybe that that Ellering blood will help her uh, keep her there. Also, be cool if her dad managed her. Anyway, but he doesn't work house shows, Darren. Paul doesn't work house shows. I I know I've been told, <laughs> but uh, I would I would like to see uh, uh, Precious Paul manage his daughter. That could get interesting. But next up, we've got another tournament match between Piper Niven of Scotland and Serena Deeb of the United States, an NXT and WWE alum. Serena Deeb, a former member of CM Punk Straight Edge Society. We learned that while she was getting her college degree, which she actually got from Indiana University Southeast, uh, she was simultaneously training in OVW, back when OVW was the main proving ground for uh, WWE's leagues, if you will. OVW, which at various times was run by Paul Heyman and Jim Cornette, and uh, that was definitely a great place for talent to come through. Of course, when you talk about OVW and the talent that came through there, all you have to do is turn back the clock and go, wait a minute, John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, Lesnar, Shelton Benjamin, all those dudes came out of OVW. I'm so waiting for you to say someone good, Darren. Uh, Oh, take that, all you guys who have been very successful in the business. But it was also uh, interesting, Serena Deeb, the... The college degree she got. She has a bachelor's degree in Spanish. Oh. See, see. See, senorita. And Piper Niven uh, of Scotland, Jim Ross tells us again, she's the first Scotswoman to ever headline Corican Hall in Japan. And I was like, well, probably because there's not a lot of Scotswomen wrestling in Japan at all. But, uh, you don't know that. Well, I do. I do know that. Okay. Okay. But Piper Niven was the first, so good for her. Um, It is certainly a good accomplishment to headline his wrestling show in Japan and certainly at Cork and Hall. Absolutely. In this matchup, though, Deeb, Serena Deeb, is really outsized, but she hits this combo of strikes that goes into a monkey flip that goes into, like, an attempt at a power slam that just can't really pull off, and then into a neck breaker. And it's like, wow, that's how you fight a bigger person, is just, like, relentlessly. <laughs> you break their neck. That's really going to work, yeah. Um, and it was a nasty neck breaker, by the way. I made a note of that. 
Because I think Deeb, since she's so much smaller than Piper, and she fell maybe a little too fast. Like, if you actually watch that, like, that looked like a legit could have actually broken Piper's neck, neck breaker. Um, it, right. it's, it's pretty nasty to watch. Yeah, but Piper, man, she gets her shit in. I felt bad. <laughs> I don't know if it was a receipt for that neck breaker or if it was just the the size mismatch, but Piper hits a killer running cannonball onto Deeb in the corner, Kevin Owens style. Uh, she hits like an avalanche, you know, like the Vader splash onto Serena Deeb. You're only and- comparing her to bigger wrestlers. <laughs> Well, she, she punches. It's a Yokozuna punch. Um. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, she did an open-handed slap like Haystacks Calhoun. <laughs> she entered like Andre the Giant would enter. Um, no, um, it's it's actually interesting because you know, I, I joke about that. And, you know, obviously she is a bigger girl, which obviously she uses to her advantage. She is who she is. Um, because of her size and because she doesn't look like everyone else. And I think that really works for her. It worked for her when she beat Santana Garrett, uh, who looks kind of like everyone else, more or less. Uh, but no, Piper Niven to me is kind of like women's Bam Bam Bigelow. She's she's everything that I wish Nia Jax was. Like, I wish Nia Jax could move, you know, what she has. And she, she, can't, she can't quite do it. Because Bam Bam was a big guy, and Bam Bam could move. The guy could do cartwheels around people. He literally did cartwheels around people. Um, he literally did do cartwheels around people. Nia Jax can't do it, and she's never going to do it. No. And that's unfortunate. She's going to have. She has to be more like a, an Andre. Absolutely. Nia has to be more like an Andre or a John Stud or that kind of, uh, of big person. But Piper Niven, I mean, don't let her size fool you. She is incredibly nimble and agile. And uh, as far as Santana Garrett goes, you know, we just know that she's staying humble. And that's, that's our primary. <laughs> that's, what, that's what she does. She, she stays humble. But uh, Piper does you go know for the big... You saying that about her, don't you? <laughs> she is. She is. Uh, Piper does miss with a big splash from the top rope. Uh, Deeb tries to capitalize, but gets hit with that devastating Michinoku driver uh, from Piper Niven. And the pin, and the win, and Piper moves on. Serena Deeb... Does not. I'm sure Vanessa Bourne, who Serena beat earlier, was like, <laughs> good, good, good. Uh, with that, we move on to uh, Princessa Suhei. She takes on Mercedes Martinez. Suhei defeating Kaylee Ray in the very first match of the uh, Mae Young Classic. And Mercedes Martinez defeating uh, Zia Lee. And uh, this is actually a really good match. Uh, the last two matches, they, they were okay, but this one actually was a very good match. It was. Suhei comes out in her Wonder Woman-themed gear. It's like, if Wonder Woman were a butterfly, she would be Princess Suhei. Yeah, Lita, Lita on commentary is like, oh, I like the Wonder Woman tribute there, Princess Suhei. And it's like, sort of, if uh, <laughs> if Wonder Woman were a Power Ranger, because obviously <laughs> Suhei, Suhei is a luchadora, so she's wearing all, like, full body, basically, uh, uh, gear. Uh, but anyway, Suhei, though, very impressive here. Lots of true blue lucha style here. Lots of lucha libre, flippy, kicky, rolly, like a lot of like, gr- like, like, like holds, 
that turn into like drags, like a lot of arm drags and body drags. And, yeah, a lot of uh, arm bars very, very, and, and very submissions and reversals and counters. And I thought this match was actually really, really good. I, don't, I wasn't too impressed by Mercedes the first time. But this second match was like, okay, she's pretty good. But Princessa Suhei, I think, was really good. So, uh, like Princessa hitting that Tornado DDT, which I always love a good Tornado DDT. Uh, That's an excellent move. It was. But ultimately, Mercedes hits that Fisherman Buster, which you see a lot uh, during this uh, this tournament. Uh, the Fisherman Buster, the uh, combination Fisherman Suplex Brain Buster, of course. Uh, and she gets the pin on Princessa Suhei, and that is that. That is that. So next, we have the match between Kyrie Sane and Bianca Belair. Kyrie Sane, the lone Japanese representative in the Mae Young Classic. Bianca Belair and her hair hailing <laughs> from the United States. I tell you what, when she used that hair, she was booed out of the building. Yeah, I think uh, Kyrie is such a baby face that... Doesn't matter who you put her with. Everyone's like, you leave Kyrie alone. She loves to sail. Man, seriously, especially JR. He again goes on with the fact that she, she's a boating enthusiast. <laughs> and, then, and then, like, Lita is like, what in the hell? Why are you saying it that way? And he's like, she's very aquatic. <laughs> she's a mermaid. I was like very aquatic like please jr please the life please aquatic back, with with Kyrie saying please go back to new japan and call uh will osprey zach saber jr yes they're, they're just twin boys from england they're aquatic <laughs> they're aquatic they're identical twins they're both Made of pizza. There's water pizza everywhere. There's water pizza from the University of Taiwan. <laughs> uh, so, so anyway. But, but this is a good match. Um, Bel Air with her size and strength advantage is just, I mean, that's very evident. Bel Air carved out a stone. You know, we don't get to say that a lot about the women. Because even the incredibly fit women, they just sort of have, you know, a, a, a thin, fit type body. But Bel Air, I mean, Bel Air is like a, I mean, damn, this is some, uh, I guess, uh, CrossFit, CrossFit stuff here. Like she's chiseled out of stone, and she's so much taller than Kyrie Sane, you know, and, and the strength, you know, it's not just the look. It's the strength that comes along with those muscles. She does that standing vertical suplex. Oh, yeah. Kind of and while she's holding her, she starts doing squats. And I was like, well, oh, my God. Yeah, just kill so, her like, already. Jeez. Yeah, at one point, you know, she's got, like, a scary dominant-looking Steiner recliner on Kyrie Sane. Yeah. yeah she she yeah. kind of ragdolled Kyrie a bit there. I was, like, actually fearful for Kyrie's life. Yeah, I totally was. And then, as if the strength wasn't enough, Belair had a 450 on, on Kyrie Sane. No, Bianca, I mean, she dominates 80% of this match. It is a lot of her just beating up on Kyrie. Uh, but I did like the part where Bianca blows a kiss to Kyrie and Kyrie catches it and, like, puts, throws it on the ground and stomps on it. But that was kind of funny. Um, yeah, and when uh, Bianca uses her hair, like, 
everyone wanted to see it because everyone wanted to heard about it, and they finally got to see her use her head as a weapon, and everyone's like, "Boo!" Because Kyrie again is 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 so baby. Uh, that was such. Those boos were intense, man. Yeah, they were. Um, but ultimately, Kyrie does hit something uh, that we've seen before. Her uh, diving elbow drop, the sailing the seas, as she calls it. And, uh, yeah. Dude, she lands on top of Bel Air. She totally does. I noticed that also, yeah. She lands on her. Yeah. And uh, that's it. They put her away, the one, two, three. And uh, Bianca Belair does not move on. Kyrie Sane, however, sails on. Uh, <laughs> into. Oh, I see. You know why? Because she's very aquatic. She's a enthusiast. <laughs> she's a enthusiast. That's right. But there might be a, a storm on those waters. A Tony Storm, Darren, because Tony Storm takes on Lacey Evans in this next match, and this is a really good match, by the way. This might be the best match of this round. Oh. What do you say? I, I, it's very good. I remember it being a very, very good match, yes. I think this is probably the best match Lacey Evans has ever had. Yeah, uh, potentially, sure. Yeah, Lacey Evans, uh, former Marine uh, representing the United States. Uh, Tony Storm representing Australia. Also, thoughts go out to Lacey Evans, whose uh, home was pretty much ruined by Hurricane Irma. Now, with so many wrestlers out there in the world, WWE and on the independent scene, and hell, GFW, with so much of the wrestling world centered around Florida these days, in particularly Orlando and Tampa, I'm sure there were tons, tons of wrestlers who were affected by that storm. But I just happened to see Lacey Evans, who put a lot of the damage to her home online for all to see uh her home was completely flooded oh, and man. she lost a great deal uh of, of of her stuff and uh including like photo albums and all kind of just you know that kind of irreplaceable stuff so that's best wishes to lacey evans as well as any other wrestlers out there anybody within the sound uh of this podcast we do hope if you're in florida or in texas and you suffered from the hurricanes Harvey or Irma that uh, things are things are starting to look better for you by this time. Absolutely. This might be the best match I've ever seen Lacey Evans have, and uh, Tony Storm is at least at least fifty percent responsible for that. Uh, it's just a good match. It really is. And Tony Storm, at first, I wasn't terribly impressed by her. Um, I was like, okay, her gimmick's a bit much, but then it like immediately she grew on me with the second showing. I was like, oh, she's okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, Storm's going for the hip attacks on uh, Lacey uh, <laughs> Lacey Evans, which basically she hits you with her ass. Um, <laughs> it's like the 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 hit twice and then the the big wind up and you roll the hips and the third one, but. I guess uh, Lacey watched Tony's first match because she knew to avoid that third attack and actually rolls up Tony Storm. Uh, doesn't get the win, but I, I like that. It, it's like you can tell the women, you know, more or less studied each other's matches because there's a lot of things they try to do a second time, and the ladies are like, "Nope, counter," because I knew that was coming. Right, right. That's that. That's cool. That, that 
where when you watch a tournament all the way through, that's a cool thing to see. But it's funny because it's like, why can't wrestlers who see these wrestlers do this every Monday, why can't they figure it out by now? <laughs> these ladies went, you know what? I'm going to counter that immediately. These guys are just stupid. <laughs> Lacey does try to win this match, though, and almost does. She tries to get that weird finisher of hers set up. And uh, I really wanted to see her hit it, mainly because I just wanted to see that move executed again. Right. Because I still can't quite figure it out. But I want to see it more because it is awesome. And uh, I want to figure out a better way to describe it. Uh, but she does not hit it. Instead, Tony hits you know, a big, big impact finisher for the win. Tony Storm hits her with the strong zero, which uh, I actually figured out the easiest way to explain that. It's a muscle buster, but instead of your opponent's head being on top of your shoulder, it's tucked under your arm, uh, under your shoulder. Um, so th that's basically what it is. Um, but yeah, she gets the, 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 the pin here, and she gets to continue on. Lacey Evans, we'll see more of her, I'm sure. She's doing great. I, I think people are already impressed with her. Uh, she also had that really, really cool uh, sweep move she did from the outside. Did you catch that? She did like a oh, okay. like a, a, a sweep like under the bottom rope to Tony Storm, which is really cool looking. She always does something really neat that I haven't seen before. So I, I appreciate L Lacey Evans a lot. So, uh, but Tony Storm does advance, and that takes us into our next match. It is Mia Yim taking on the monster, Shayna Baszler. Shayna Baszler with her MMA background, part of the uh, UFC's Four Horsewomen, and Mia Yim. Of South Korea and of GFW TNA Wrestle Circus fame, she's she's everywhere. She is everywhere, man. She is everywhere. Uh, this match has a lot of kicks, <laughs> a lot of kicking in this match. It does. There's a lot of power and a lot of kicking. There's uh, this is again. This is a big. There's a slobber knocker. You know, Basler is kind of very dominant early on. Dead weight, like lifting dead weight, you know? That's an impressive thing when you see that in wrestling where you don't see the opponent jump a little bit to help, you know? You mean, so you mean when, when Shayna's doing the rolling gut wrench? Uh, I, I love that. And then yeah. that's, that's a really cool thing that Baszler does is that rolling gut wrench uh, slams that she does. Yeah, but, you know, Mia Yim, sit down powerbomb. Um, really cool conversion, by the way. Really, really cool uh, counter because I think Shayna was kicking at her and she caught her leg and just very slyly slipped the leg on top of her shoulder and then grabbed the other one. I thought that was right. a really nice transition, really smooth. That, well, that's the thing. This match, in terms of transitions, looked like mixed martial arts. It did. It really did. Uh, the, the person executing the moves, they really look like it's deliberate intentional execution and the person receiving it, it looks it looks like they're surprised by it it's just it has a certain fluidity now of course professional wrestling obviously has a certain fluidity of its own but it is a completely different style of fluidity from mixed martial arts and this match Mia Yim and Shayna Baszler straight up looked like an MMA fight that just happened to be in a wrestling ring it definitely came to blows and that it was like, you're not going to outkick me. You're not going to outkick me. Um, but Mia Yim goes for that uh, 450, and she finds Shanna Baszler's knees. And then uh, yeah. 
if anything wasn't an MMA fight, it was the 450. The, but... You don't see a lot of 450s in MMA, uh, sadly enough. But um, <laughs> that was the uh, advantage that Shayna needed to uh, wrap uh, me up in that uh, devastating rear naked sleeper hold. And uh, Yim taps out. Yes, she does. And now we get to see a showdown between the four horsewomen. The four horsewomen of MMA and the four horsewomen of the WWE. And by four horsewomen of WWE, I mean three. Right. Where's Sasha Banks? How Everyone else is there. Where the fuck is Sasha Banks? Why isn't everyone she there? Everyone else is there. Yeah. Like, really, everyone else is there. There's 32 May Young women there that's like... Johnny Gargano, Nakamura, uh, I mean, they're all there. Yeah. Was Sasha busy? And at this point, I'm thinking, is the Mae Young Classic just uh, advertising, promoting a WrestleMania match between the four horsewomen? Um, Yes. (laughs) Because that's what it's starting to feel like. Uh, But anyway, uh, next match, Dakota Kai... Versus Rhea Ripley. They did it. The the New Zealander against the Aussie. Um, I, I figured they'd make that happen. And they did. They did. Yeah, this is a match born down under. As we got an Aussie and a Kiwi. We got a Kiwi and Aussie. Now, Darren, did you know that Rhea Ripley is only 20 years old? I did. I did know that. Did you know that? I'm, I'm sure you knew that. You know how I know that you knew that? Uh, how, do you, how would you know that? Jim Ross tells you every uh, thirty seconds that she's only twenty <laughs> years old. I swear to God, I didn't. I almost watched the match again to count how many times he said, "Oh, it's twenty years old, twenty years old." And eventually, they worked that in the match. Like Rhea gets hit by a, a kick from Dakota, and uh, Lita's like, "Well, that that's that twenty year old inexperience, you know." And it's like, "Shut up!" <laughs> yeah. I thought you were gonna say. I was a kick to the head 20 years in the making. Yes. It kind of was, more or less. Um, She's 20 years old. You know what that means? She's a quadrant. (laughs) I I dare say that everything that happens to us is however many years we are uh, in the making, right? Well, yeah, if Jim Ross is calling your life. Okay. (laughs) He'll also tell you about where you went to college or... Did not go to college. Um, but this is actually a really, really good match. Um, Perry, Perry, Perry. Everyone went to college <laughs> in the eyes of Jim Ross. Yes. And Ooh. everyone was an All-American. Yes, everyone's All-American. sport All-American! Well, well, Dakota Kai being from New Zealand and Rhea Ripley from Australia, they're both All-American, as Jim Ross will tell you. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's some really good stuff. Really cool thing that I've never I've never seen before, or if I have, I didn't realize I'd seen it before. Is uh, they're both on the outside, and uh, Rhea Ripley has got Dakota Kai on her shoulders like a piggyback ride, and like then an electric chair, electric chair, exactly. I was trying to explain it to those who maybe haven't heard electric chair in a while, um, and basically just throws her face forward right into the the outside apron of the ring. Man, that was really, really cool looking. That was devastating. You know the thing about the, the outside of the ring right there, that apron, right? It's the hardest part of the ring? It is the hardest part of the ring. And Dakota Kai lands face first, and it, like, bends her backward in half, and the impact is gnarly. I was like, geez, Louise. Yeah, these two are not pulling any punches, especially when Dakota Kai delivers that 
that that charging drop kick uh, to Rhea Ripley's face in the corner. Um, <laughs> those things literally hurt. But I guess you know Dakota Dakota Kai's on team kick, so that makes sense that she has a lot of kicking in her offense. Well, of course, and it's also Suplex City. Like talk about Suplex City. This match is Suplex City. Yeah. And you know what you were saying about the twenty-year-old thing, uh, Jr. and Lita. In addition to just saying that she's 20 years old too often, they're very critical of the fact that her inexperience means that she doesn't finish what she's doing. She doesn't follow up properly. And it's like, it started out, I was kind of jiving with it, like, okay, yeah, cool. It, uh, that fits her gimmick, sort of like, oh, I'm reckless, I'm young, I'm wild. And then all of a sudden it was like, this commentary doesn't sound any. It doesn't sound like it's telling a story anymore. It sounds like it's actually critical. It sounds like they're just Lita's just mad that she's twenty years old and looked better than Lita and is, is better than Lita and has oh, a bright future ahead. On. I don't know. I mean, well, all those things are accurate, but professional um, jealousy. <laughs> that's what it sounded like to me. Not from Lita. She's better than that. But no, they they, they kind of just harp on that. I, I hate when commentary locks on one thing. And it's just, it also means that she, well, first of all, she's a giant compared to Dakota Kai. Um, and she's also a very strong giant and a very agile giant and a very good wrestler. So, you know, drop the fact that she's 20, you know, only say it 15 times, not the full 20 times, but I guess she has 20. So that makes sense. Um, but I, I did like, I did like the finish of the match, uh, where they're kind of struggling on the top rope and uh, uh, Rhea falls backwards into a tree of woe, and Dakota Kai uses that to her advantage and hits the double foot stomp uh, on Rhea Ripley and rolls her up, and she gets the pin. And surprising, I thought uh, Ripley was a contender to potentially win this thing, but as we have heard many times, she's only 20 years old, uh, which means she has plenty of chances for uh, uh, victories uh, down the road. With that, we continue on to Candice LeRae, uh, taking on the Queen of Suplexes, and she certainly proved it this outing, uh, Nicole Savoy. Yes, both of these young ladies representing the United States in this tournament. A lot of classic back-and-forth wrestling here. Classic booking 101. This is wrestling out of a textbook right here in terms of momentum, speed, pacing, control, and the moves at one point, like I said, that's sort of how it starts. And then, you know, we were talking. You mentioned earlier that Kyrie Sane looked like a rag doll by, uh, against Bel Air a few times. Well, Candice LeRae looks like a damn rag doll a couple of times fighting Nicole Savoy. It's another size mismatch, and uh, Savoy dumps uh, Candice LeRae on her head with a back suplex. Then more back drops. She yanks her off the top rope, and Candice LeRae hits the back of her head on the top turnbuckle. I mean, I was just like, golly. Yeah, uh, Nicole Savoy showed a lot of really impressive offense. She hit the, uh, I guess they were rolling double underhook suplexes on Candice yeah. LeRae. But basically, anytime we do a rolling suplex of any kind, I'm always like, yes! Because um, <laughs> I love... I, I love the move being done twice in succession, but it looks like it's still the same move still happening. Um, right. But, uh, no, it's great. Like, this to me was like a typical good woman's match you would see on the indie scene. 
Like this felt like a just a good match. Um, exactly, and I think that's kind of what I meant when I said it was like traditional booking. It was like doesn't matter that they've wrestled before. Doesn't matter that one person's going to continue on in this tournament. Doesn't matter that it's WWE. It's just here's a wrestling match. Exactly. It's it's not relying on spots. You don't look at this match and go, oh, but the the thing they did where they they both. You know, they both jumped up at the same time or something like that, you know. It, right, it is just sure. like, they just had a really good match. And uh, ultimately it does end with Candice LeRae hitting her uh, Miss LeRae's Wild Ride, uh, which is the, what, swinging neck breaker from the second rope. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's a good move. They, there was a very long struggle on the ropes between these two before LeRae managed to hit it. But she did, and she won. And this was another upset. I know Candice LeRae is the bigger name here, but physically uh, it seemed like Nicole Savoy should definitely have won this match. But she doesn't. Yeah. Miss LeRae does. Miss LeRae Gargano. Miss LeRae Wrestling, if you will. Oh. Uh, that's it, though, for uh, the Sweet 16. We now move into the quarterfinals. So let's get right into it with Mercedes Martinez. She's taking on Abby Lath. And this is a really good match. I really enjoyed this match. Well, this is where we're going to have to disagree a little bit. Ooh. It's not a bad match, but I, 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 I've held off saying it earlier in our discussions. But here's a good opportunity for me to say, just not a fan. Just not a fan of Mercedes Martinez. Wow. I don't know what it is. Um, I, I acknowledge her talent. She has a good look. But I'm just just not buying in. Just not buying in. At least not yet. Abby Lath, I'm fully on board for. Been a big fan of Abby Lath for a while, ever since she was, well, I mean, she just very recently has become Abby Lath. So I should say, have long time been a fan of Kimberly, and uh, now supporting her with her new uh, NXT name of Abby Lath. But just not feeling Mercedes Martinez. But please, you enjoyed it a lot, so don't let me take away from, from that. No, I mean, that's kind of it. I, I enjoyed the match. Uh, it ends, uh, not surprisingly, with the uh, Fisherman Buster, Mercedes Martinez's uh, finisher, which we see uh, quite a bit throughout the uh, the tournament. But uh, surprised that even though Abby Lath has uh, faced adversaries like uh, Jazzy Gabbert and uh, Rachel Evers, she stopped by Mercedes Martinez. But, hey, that's the way it goes. And uh, Mercedes Martinez goes into them semifinals. Uh, after that, we got uh, Candice LeRae, who we just talked about. It's kind of weird talking. It's funny because we talk about all these women, and now we're going to be talking about them multiple times. It's like, whoa, there's no time, there's no time. Um, well, that, you, forget, you forget about it. When the tournament starts winnowing down, it's like, oh my god, and you just keep seeing the same people come out, and it's like, wait, wait, weren't you just wrestling? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, Candice LeRae is back, and uh, she's taking on the monster Shayna Baszler. And uh, this match I enjoyed also, and uh, we've said the term a couple times, uh, ragdoll. And uh, yeah, Shanna Baszler beats the, the crap out of Candice LeRae here. Yes, she does. It is a, uh, a straight-up Aerosmith song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, LeRae, she hits a suicide dive through the ropes. Uh, that tornado DDT. Yeah, that was awesome. That was a really that cool spot. Yeah. That was very, very cool. Lorraine put an octopus uh, submission on Baszler. That was really impressive. Mm -hmm. Did not think I was going to see submissions out of Candice Lorraine 
in this match. Then she, she immediately puts on another submission after Baszler manages to get out of the octopus. And uh, but then yeah, Candice you know, actually Candice sort of seems to have the upper hand for a minute. She she uh, tries to pull off the wild ride, but she gets yanked off the second rope, and then. That is all she wrote, man. That rear naked sleeper. Tap out. Candice LeRae taps out to Shayna Baszler. And Baszler at this point, yeah, she seems unstoppable. Yeah, she wins the match and Baszler refuses to give up the hold, which I'm like, oh good, they're starting to build her up as like a, a, like a legit bad guy. And that's one thing I'll say is missing out of this tournament is uh, that's one thing they got right with the UK tournament was they actually made it seem like feud going on within the tournament. All the stuff with Pete Dunne, um, that was all uh, very well uh, done. Um, so it looked kind of like, oh, good, like something's actually going on within this. Like the 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 recurring feud isn't just, oh, the, the horsewomen are looking at each other every time Shanna Baszler comes out. Um, but yeah, Candice LeRae goes down. Johnny Gargano, her husband, hops into the ring and kind of looks over her, and Baszler walks over and, like, kicks uh, LeRae's, like, legs when uh, LeRae's trying to recover after the match, and it was like, boo. Uh, <laughs> Gargano probably should have, like, stood up at least. He was kind of like, hey, you cut that out. Um, <laughs> but, but right. uh, you know, whatever. Uh, but anyway, uh, Baszler goes on, and uh, we go on to the next match. Piper Nevin takes on Tony Storm. Uh, this match is uh, really, really good. I did not expect this match to be as good as it was, um, and I was pleasantly surprised, I must say. Um, yeah, man, Piper is just absolutely destroying Tony Storm at first. The the notes that I put here was that Piper Niven smushes Tony Storm repeatedly. <laughs> she is uh, wielding that weight that she's got um, in a good way. Man, um, Piper goes to pin uh, Tony Storm, uh, but Tony Storm bridges out of it. So Piper puts her full weight on uh, Tony Storm, still holding her uh, holding her, sh- her arms down, and Tony Storm is still able to bridge out of the pin with Piper on top. That was a very cool spot. Uh, Piper rolls over, and uh, they're basically. Uh, Head to head, head to head, but still holding each other's arms while laying belly up, and um, they go for a series of uh, what, like, what is going on there? It's it's kind of like luchador style almost, where they're both holding each other's hands and uh, kind of like, I guess technically, since you're still touching your opponent and you're both on your back and your shoulders are pinned down, technically you're both pinning each other. So they're like alternating, holding their their shoulders up and arms up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, right. It's sort of like a. Yeah, yeah, like a vertical test of strength. Exactly. Um, there you go. That's that's a good way and, to put yeah, it. Yeah, you're just sort of. It's very slow. Yeah, it's 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 an old old school kind of mat wrestling, kind of luchador. Uh, basically, you're just struggling to make sure you're not the one who gets pinned. Right, but which ultimately ends up with uh, Tony Storm bridging up, uh, where basically she her entire back is off the canvas and she's basically balancing on her head. Then Piper Niven does the same thing. She's able to bridge up. And they both kind of just look at each other upside down perspective and they shake hands because they both like uh, <laughs> that that uh, respect. I thought that was a really, really cool moment. I actually like that moment a lot. Yeah, that was very cool. Very, very cool. Uh, in the end, though, Tony Storm manages to get up, avoiding the, the Vader splash from Piper Niven. 
and hits a belly to back suplex on off the second rope, and uh, which just it's devastating to Piper Niven. <laughs> and then Tony goes up to the top herself, and it's that guillotine leg drop off the top rope for the win. Yeah, and there's a hard-fought battle. I mean, it's a good match. Uh, Niven does actually hit the Michinoku driver on uh, Tony Storm. Sort of. Sort of. Right, right. But even even JR is like, oh, I don't think she got all of that. But uh, uh, Storm actually uh, does kick out of that. But it does end with the top rope, uh, <laughs> the leg drop, which is funny later on. I'll have to uh, mention that when the, that match comes up. Um, but uh, the final match in the quarterfinals is uh, Kyrie Sane taking on Dakota Kai, uh, who took uh, who took down the twenty year old uh, Rhea Ripley, who was in her twenties at the time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is a decent match. I'm sure Kyrie was. Ha- I'm, sh- I'm sure both Kyrie and Dakota were happy that they're fighting each other because they're both similar sizes. Um, Kyrie hits that running blockbuster, which always looks really cool. And, um, so good. Yeah, it, it's a good match. There wasn't a lot to it for me. Um, but it, it, was, it was just a good match. How'd you feel? Yeah, uh, yeah it was a good match. Um, I, Kyrie Sane is clearly over. I mean, because Dakota Kai is over, but not like Kyrie Sane. Like, no. Kyrie Sane has this baby face appeal, and, uh, she is, she is sailing the seas. Uh, into the semifinals here. Yeah, which you see sailing the seas once again. And uh, that's it. That's how she beats Dakota Kai. That's how she beats everyone so far. Uh, which takes us into those semifinals. The final four, Darren. The final four people being Shayna Baszler, Mercedes Martinez, Tony Storm, and Kyrie Sane. At this point, I'm thinking Darren definitely wants Mercedes Martinez to go over. Um, yeah. So, so all the best to Mercedes for sure. Yeah, I did. Uh, if you had asked me to pick the final four, I don't think I would have picked any. I would, maybe would have picked Tony Storm, just judging books by their covers. Did not think that Shayna Baszler would be in here at this point. I was thinking Shayna Baszler was going to be kind of like, uh, like fan service, almost like a red herring. Like, well, of course she's going to do well, but then, you know, she goes out in, like, the round of 16. Would have never seen this. And not knowing Mercedes Martinez, wouldn't have picked her either. I might have picked Kyrie Sane, but honestly, I am surprised by all four of these. But uh, the first matchup is Mercedes Martinez versus Shayna Baszler. And once again, I got to make the two doinks reference because these two American girls... They kind of are doing the two doinks, you know. <laughs> wow. Uh, I actually enjoyed the match quite a bit. It's a very physical match. Uh, a lot of striking. Uh, Martinez hits Baszler with a medley of suplexes, um, I called it. Uh, but Baszler ultimately uh, converts it into submission that you've seen a dozen times. And uh, you will see this one more time as uh, Baszler uh, makes Mercedes tap out. But there's a there's a mutual respect. They love each other. Triple H and uh, Stephanie come out, and uh, Triple H presents uh, Shayna Baszler with the roses because she's worked her way into the finals. And that leads us to the other semifinal match, which is Kyrie Sane of Japan taking on Tony Storm of Australia. Yeah, lots of good wrestling here. Lots of good wrestling. Sane hits a flying crossbody on Storm on the outside. Which is funny because they think that she's busted open from that because of all like the 
She's got like a bunch of like red and, and like looks like bruises, but it's actually Tony Storm's lipstick if you actually look. Um, nice. <laughs> which, Very nice. Which is funny because I noticed that Tony Storm probably with the hip, uh, those hip hits, uh, smeared the hell out of uh, Lacey Evans' uh, lipstick as well. Um, yes, you did. I did notice that. Yeah, so it was kind of like uh, I guess I'm not used to fighting Tony Storm, who likes to get lipstick everywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I think this match is actually really, really good. Um, yeah, Tony Storm puts a, a nasty armbar on Kyrie. I guess she's trying to take out that elbow so she can't sail the sea but has a really good bridge on it and makes it look extra painful. And man, it, it, it really, really looks good. And at this point I'm like, Tony storm, she, she should win this thing. Right. I, I, that's the way it looked for a second. I really thought again, she's the only one I may have picked to even a B in the final four. And now that she's there, I'm definitely thinking that she's going over, but she doesn't. Yeah. Oddly enough, she, she goes for that leg drop. And I mentioned this earlier in her last match, it's funny that she beat Piper with that leg drop because she does the same leg drop to, to Kyrie Sane and like she busts her ass. Like it looks like Tony Storm did the move to herself because she's like writhing around in pain and Kyrie gets up before Tony Storm is able to get up. And, yeah. and Kyrie capitalizes and sure enough, we go sailing once more, sailing the seas, elbow drop, and that's it. We she's now, aquatic. She's aquatica. Um, if she were a heavy metal band, she'd be uh, aquatica. Um, so we have it. We have our final two, Darren. We have our finals. It is Shanna Baszler taking on Kyrie Sane. This, yeah, and this one came live from Las Vegas, Nevada, on the twelfth of September. Kyrie Sane of Japan and Shanna Baszler of the United States. This is the quintessential physical mismatch. Right. But it's also very different because they go from that full, that intimate full sale crowd into the SmackDown live crowd, which right. probably doesn't even know who the fuck these people are. Let's be honest. They're not the hardcore sure. diehards you would get at full sale because they come out and, and everyone's kind of like, yeah, where's... Where's Sasha Banks and Bailey? You know, they're, <laughs> they look a little Seriously, confused. Seriously, no, you're absolutely right. They're not getting that same fanfare. But it is a really good match. Um, I, I, you wouldn't think so just because of the... It feels like their their two styles wouldn't gel very well. But they actually do. They do ha happen to uh, pull off a very, very nice match. Kyrie counters Baszler's chokehold, which is the first time anyone's gotten out of it. Uh, hits her with a flurry of elbows to the ribs. Makes her loosen up. And um, a weird thing happens here, which happened uh, a couple matches ago when uh, Dakota Kai defeated Rhea Ripley, is uh, there's a tussle on the top rope, and uh, Baszler falls back into a tree of woe. And <laughs> Kyrie Sane does the, the double stomps. And it's yeah, like, that, wait that a was, minute. Uh, that was odd that that got repeated like that. Yeah, it really is odd. But ultimately, what do we get? We get to sail the seas, as Kyrie Sane uh, hits that elbow, that devastating elbow drop on uh, Shanna Baszler. Huge upset, because you look at these two and you think, like, oh, Baszler's got this all day, right? Well, yeah, you're certainly not thinking that a boating enthusiast, a yacht person, <laughs> could possibly beat this this robot, like, this 
this uh, octagon fighting robot that is Shayna Baszler. But Kyrie Sane doesn't. She doesn't. She goes through. She mows through all thirty-one other competitors. She Larry and Curly's through also, um, <laughs> and she sometimes shimps through. Um, but yeah, it's it's the first but time. She never Curly Joe's. She never Curly Joe's. Um, it's the first time you see Baszler actually show like, uh, like you know, like, oh, good sportsmanship. Because every time someone tries to shake her hand, she like bats it away or she turns her back. And this time they hug because there's a mutual respect. Because oh, you beat me, so now I respect you, laddie. Um, she's she's uh, Scottish. Um, but that's it for the May Young Classic. Really, really enjoyed it. And like I mentioned way long ago in headlines. Uh, I'm going to miss a lot of these competitors. I hope there's a way for us to see them more often. And you know what? There is a way by supporting indie wrestling, of course. All these people, they go back to their home countries, a lot of them do, who are not being signed on. Um, and, and I hope there's just more ways for us to see them. I hope that um, the whole Twitch thing, you know, <laughs> happens for a lot of people. Or we can just see everyone's content as freely as possible and continue seeing these great wrestlers and... Um, I would enjoy that. What do you think? What do you think, Darren? Absolutely. We know that we can see Rachel Ellering and Tessa Blanchard over on Wrestle Circus. Hopefully a lot of these other women that are from other countries, maybe they'll come in and do nice long tours of American indies, and we'll get to see them maybe make some pit stops uh, as high up as a Ring of Honor. And uh, But if not, Wrestle Circus is an excellent place. The state of Florida is just as ripe as it could be for indie wrestling. I'd like to see some of these ladies at Fest, wouldn't you? Well, Rachel Evers, you will be seeing at Fest Wrestling. Uh, she will be at the next Fest Wrestling show. So, uh, hey, we'll get our wish. We'll see her in person. Yay! All right! Yay! And that's it. Hope you guys enjoyed our coverage of the May Young Classic. And uh, tell us what you think. How can you tell us? Well, there's a lot of ways you can tell us. You can find us on Twitter at Ref and Show Podcast, R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook, like, share, follow, all that good stuff. If you want to send us an email, you can, I guess. At the whole Ref and Show at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Or, or you can find us on Instagram at the whole Ref and Show, the whole Refn show on instagram lots of pictures we post pictures you like them you comment on them we get to talking we make friends we run into you at wrestlecon we run into you at fest we get to hear from our dear listeners and we love it and all the while we're looking at cool new pictures from the world of wrestling or awesome throwback pictures so talk to us on instagram that's right, folks. You heard it here first. The whole reference show, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle. And uh, by the way, my name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. And by the way, we're going to see you on next week's episode, folks. Don't miss it. We'll be back. So long.
So, uh, a wrestling and wrestling and sausage banks and uh, Emma, Darren. I thought you said sausage banks. I kind of almost did. I want, I want to invest my money in a sausage bank. 